If you have your Bible tonight, go ahead and turn to Psalm 119. And we are going to finish our series on demons and angels. And my question as I finish this, and I, it was been a couple week break there. Um, but as I finish this, my question is, okay, Lord, what do we do with all that information that we have absorbed over these last several Wednesdays going all the way back into late November, early December when we started just studying this and, and laying some foundation of angels first. We did two, two, two uh, services on angels and then we've done two or three on the demonic and kind of the genesis and where demons came from. And it's a lot of information to absorb. And I certainly hope you took notes and dug into your Bible and read some good scholarly works on the origination of those type of things. But tonight my question was, okay, what do we do with that info that we've learned and uh, we asked a few Wednesdays ago in, in talking in Genesis 5 and 6 where God said that he, was, he needed to almost start over. He, he obviously flooded the earth, but there was something going on there in Genesis 5 and 6 as we studied it of why was God so upset with everything going on. And we, we tracked that out with an understanding that here's what I want you to know tonight as we talk and end this series on talking about demons is demons are real. There's a lot of darkness going on in our world and in our culture and in our country. And a lot of it has the influence of the demonic. And I, I ended three weeks ago, I ended that, that service that night if you were here. And I went to the, the scripture that talks about sin crouches at the door and its desire is to have you or to come into the door and you must rule over it. So I ended that with the same line of thinking I'm going to go into tonight. That when we are dealing with spiritual warfare, when we are dealing with feeling like we're under attack of the enemy or we're oppressed by something or vexed by something, one of the, one of the words the Bible uses to talk about oppression that we can, we can experience. And to understand that, that we oftentimes unknowingly or knowingly open a door to the enemy through sin and through disobedience and, and those type of things, we open a door and the enemy wants to come camp out on territory that doesn't belong to him. Now, I know a big question, and, and I've, I've said this before on probably several occasions just as the general theology of Christian Center Church, because the question always comes up, can a Christian have a demon? And I like Jack Hayford's answer, and he said, who would want one? All right? Well, that's a good answer, you know, and that's kind of my answer too. Who in the world wants? We could get into all the all the particulars of how the enemy comes against us, but it is my official position that light can't dwell with darkness. That the when the Holy Spirit, when you get saved, Jesus was clear, and we talked about this. Jesus was very clear that the house is put in order; it's swept clean. And if we do not continually be filled with God's Holy Spirit, then it gives the, the enemy the opportunity to come back around. And if he sees it, if he, if he sees something empty, he's going to want to try to move in. Amen. Another illustration that I heard one time that may help you kind of understand that in a very simple way is if you own 100 acres and your homestead is here and you live there and you farm 50 acres of it and you... You know, spiritually speaking as an analogy, but you farm part of it. In other words, all those hundred acres belong to you. And you go on the part of the property that you hadn't been on in a very long time and realize that there's somebody living on your property, right? There's somebody camping out there. There's somebody that have, they've kind of set up camp. What I want you to know tonight is Jesus has given the church authority to deal with the demonic. We do not need to be afraid. We do not need to be fearful. Because I think, I think Christians and churches wreck on one side of the road or the other. And I really want you to try to draw a good balance tonight from the teaching we're going to do. A balance of this. That not everything's a demon. Amen. Not, not everything has... There, there, there is a real, genuine um, value in understanding the word in the Bible for our soul. It's the word suke, which we get the word psychology from. So there are many people that have, have been benefited and had the benefit of having somebody that's professional and licensed to be able to go and counsel with them. There's some things in our soul that aren't demonic in nature, but I will say this, the enemy's always looking for a way in. That's actually the, what the word, uh, the, the, the enemy is, is referenced many times in the Bible is Diablo. 
And Diablo is dia below, and that literally means one who penetrates through. So the understanding of the enemy when we talk about the demonic tonight is he's always looking for a place. The Bible tells us to give no place to the enemy. To give no place to him. So as we talk about these things, it is the official position of myself in this church that if you are a believer washed in the blood of Jesus, you've repented of your sins, you've put your faith in him, and you have invited the presence of God into your life, and you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. And I want to tell you, just by a side note here, when you ask God for something, he doesn't give you something bad. He gives you the best, and that's the Holy Spirit. He said, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more... Well, the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit, because that's the best gift any of us could ever receive. So if you have the Holy Spirit operating in your life and you've been blood-bought and redeemed, I just want to tell you that we can still deal with demonic influences and things that are coming against us in a spiritual way. And Ephesians 6 clearly tells us, and I love how Ephesians 6, when it finally kicks off the spiritual warfare part, it says, finally, finally. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So there is a source that we need to tap into dealing with spiritual warfare, dealing with demons, and demons are real. And we wreck on one side of the road or the other. We either get so fearful that we think if we mention that, you know, we feel like discerning of spirits, that there may be something demonic coming against us, we shrink back from that. We don't talk about it at all. Or I've seen people become what they call demon hunters, you know. I don't go looking for them, you know, that's what I just want to say. In the United States of America especially, I've been on the mission field and and have been participant um, in quite a few deliverance, um, I don't want to call them services. I I remember one time, it was down in Mexico, and we were getting down towards the end of the summer, and Leah and I both worked. Um, Matter of fact, we rarely ever got a day off. It was seven days a week, usually 12 hours to 14, depending on if people got sick on the team that came in that week. We'd be up in the middle of the night, you know, starting IVs. We'd hang them on a coat hanger there in the in the hotel room. We were we were hardcore, and uh, I remember we showed up at this one particular outreach, and the pastor was so sweet, so nice. Met his wife, met him, and we're setting up our tents and taking over the church and moving chairs so we can do our medical clinic and do our optical clinic and do all these different ministries. And he he, he was very very. Um, he was very um, excited, I could tell, but it was a bit of a language barrier there, obviously, even though I did speak uh, fairly good Spanish, but I couldn't understand what he was inviting me to go to the second story of a building in the back where they held classes. And I could, so I finally found uh, Mama Rosie, who took care of us down there. She was our Mexican national director of Operation Serve that we work for. And I finally realized what he said. He, they had taken all the demon-possessed people in the neighborhood and put them in a room on the second floor. And I'm like, I looked at Leah and I said, I am too tired for this, y'all. And sure enough, opened that door and there was a lot of things going on. But I, I want to say this. We didn't have an organ. We didn't have a piano. The church had been praying. Amen? The church had been, and that's the most important part. You get a praying church is a powerful church. That church had been praying, and we came in, and, and here's what God did. God met us because it's, I didn't come in the authority of the name of Jason Hanks. I came in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. And as we talk about demonic vexation or torment or things that can come against us, I want you to understand very clearly tonight that demons are afraid of Jesus. <laughs> Amen? How, let me, let me say this, how sad would it be if the demons believed more in the authority of Jesus and what the church does? And I believe in pastoral counsel. I believe in, in ministries that we do here at the church that, that help build you up spiritually and help heal your heart through the word of God. And I believe in all those ministry things. But the ministry of deliverance has really been pushed off to the side in the church. And it's kind of been tucked away in a closet. And I really believe the Holy Spirit's calling the church back to a place where that is a main focus of ministry. And there's one very important reason, church, one incredibly important reason why I believe God would be spotlighting this ministry, not only in this church, but churches who are moving in the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. One reason that I believe with all my heart he's highlighting this is because we are going to see a lot more demonic possession 
a lot more people that are opening doors. These young people have opened doors that are unbelievable. And, and here's why I'm saying this, because I've, I've talked to other ministers about this, other pastors that I counsel with and talk to on a regular basis. And we're looking five, ten years down the road mm-hmm. when the people, these young people who are making these decisions that they're making today is going to be tremendously affected by the demonic and the door that they've opened. So the church has, church has got to be ready. Amen? Amen? In other words, when Jesus showed up, he didn't try to tell the demons his life story, right? He said, shut up and go. <laughs> that is what we need to focus on as we study tonight about demonic deliverance and the ministry of deliverance is what we're going to touch on tonight. But here's, here's a few facts about demons. Demons are real. Amen? It doesn't matter if you believe in demons tonight. They are real. Hollywood has made demons, of course, these either a caricature or a cartoon type of a thing. Or they've made it, you know, the, like, bless you, the exorcist type of a deal. You know, that, that the, the Hollywood of the, the demonic that kind of factors into things. And uh, fact number two, demons are no match for Jesus and his angel army. Amen? Amen. This is a very real battle we're talking about tonight. But the deck is stacked in the favor of the people of God. I want you to know that. We don't have to walk in fear. We don't have to walk in fear at all. Because we know the one who has the answer to anything that we face in any spiritual battle. As a matter of fact, Psalm 34 says this, The angels of God encamp around those who are the inheritors of eternal life. Amen? And demons are afraid. We are told that they believe and tremble. And Paul said this, We are not ignorant of the devil's schemes. Another translation says devices. We're not ignorant of those things. And, but what the enemy, I believe, has done, especially in our American culture, is he's tricked us. When I went on the mission field, and, and I, I can tell you this straight up, when I went on the mission field, it wasn't like there were more demons in other countries than what they are in the United States of America. What I discovered is that they're just better at hiding here. Are you tracking with me? So the discernment of spirits, the gift of the Holy Spirit of discernment, and the gift of the Holy Spirit of, of understanding and going into that ministry is very, very important in the day and age that we live in. Because there's a stigma, and I want to get rid of that stigma tonight. I think if one goal I have in this teaching tonight that I'm giving you is to try to get rid of the stigma of deliverance ministry. Because that's what it's become is is we try to hide things because we think, well, I don't want anybody to know I'm struggling in this area. And that struggle can can turn into something that you hide away. And I'm telling you that the enemy operates in darkness. That's where he operates. So anything we bring into God's light or God's truth is exposed and and God has freedom. That's, That's my word for everybody in this room. There is freedom for you. And there's a stigma attached because people often think, well, I don't want to be honest about my struggle. And, and once you struggle for a period of time and you continue to struggle, the enemy is going to capitalize and try to put you in chains that you don't feel like can be broken off. I came to tell you, Jesus can break off chains. There's freedom for the people of God. There's freedom for the people that you walk by every day that you just kind of discern. There may be some demonic activity going on, whether it's oppression or whether... You know, there's, there's people certainly that you'll, you'll encounter almost daily that have demonic possession going on, and it's an important ministry. And there's two things to get us on track in this area of deliverance ministry. We must talk about it openly, and we must minister it openly. There's no shame in feeling like you need somebody to pray over you. As a matter of fact, and this is a side story, as a matter of fact, my wife and I met at a deliverance conference <laughs> 23 years ago which is a great, it's called Cleansing Stream as a part of the classes that we went through at this Bible school that I, that I attended. Um, we went through the classes, and at the end of the, the semester, it was a large conference where they brought in a national ministry called Cleansing Stream. People had been trained in deliverance ministry, and they walked us through some things of looking back into our past. I've mentioned this on Sunday mornings, and this ties in with um, the, the whole teaching I've been doing on Wednesday nights, but talked about generational curses. We identified some things even in my past that the Lord revealed that night, and I just went up front. And again, we've sensationalized deliverance ministry to the point where I think people either 
go hog wild and say, man, that, that, that. let me tell you something. Deliverance ministry does not need to be wild and crazy and, and, and all this kind of stuff. It doesn't. So my point is, if you're struggling with something, understand it may be something that we've opened the door to, that repentance and faith and having somebody pray over you that you trust can break that cycle in your life and break those chains off of your life. It's interesting to me that over one-third of the ministry of Jesus was deliverance from demons. There's 37 recorded miracles in the Word of God, and 11 of them have demonic activity going on. Mark 16 says, These signs will follow those who believe. And the very first thing that he mentions is they will cast out demons, right? And there's a principle in the Word of God called the law first mentioned. So if that's the first thing that Jesus mentions in the Great Commission, it means it's very important. And I think the church has kind of lost the focus on that and lost some of the some of the focus in that area. So look at our scripture tonight. This is a scripture I wanted to share with you. Psalm 119, verse 30. 119, verse 30. Don't you love Psalm 119? I encourage you to, to dig into that sometime. That is an incredible psalm. It's one of my favorites. It's one of the first ones that I... I really focused on, studied, and broke down and read all the way back going on 26 years this month that I gave my heart to the Lord. It says, the entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Church, sin has not gotten darker and the devil has not gotten more devilish. There's just less light. And tonight I want to shine that light. I want to give you the truth of God's word so that if the enemy is camping on territory that doesn't belong to him, we can command him to go in the name of Jesus Christ. And I think that is a condition, and I preached a few weeks ago, and I think the condition of a lot of people, and I can only speak for Christian Center Church, um, but I think in a lot of churches, but I think even here, I think it's a word of the Lord for a now season, is that Jesus called Lazarus from the tomb. And, but he was still bound up in grave clothes. And he told the people there, he said, hey, go, go loose him. Go, go, go set him free. So there's a body ministry of deliverance that's very important to the Lord as we walk in the understanding of discernment and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the word tells us this, give no place to the enemy. Give no place. Don't give him a foothold. Don't give him a place. In other words, if that's your hundred acres, then if he doesn't belong on that place, because that word in the Bible is literally the word topos, and it's a territory, it's a region or a zone, and here's what it denotes. If it says give no place to the enemy, then what it is saying is we have a choice whether we are going to give a place to the enemy of our souls. It's on us. So... If I were to give you an assignment and say, take this sheet of paper and write down the last 20 major decisions that you made. And I don't mean, did you want mustard on your ham sandwich? I'm talking about major, like mid to major decisions. If you list those out and handed them back to me, or if I made one and handed them back to you, I could look down that list and I could tell you very clearly whether you are giving place to the enemy. Or if you're allowing the enemy to penetrate what should be a closed door. Because we have a choice to make whether we're going to shut the door on the enemy. Or whether by our disobedience and sin. Or even, I'm going to talk about this tonight, even past trauma. Jesus said very clearly that he came to set the prisoners and captives free. And sometimes people are captive through something that was not even their decision to happen to them, but it was done to them and it's caused trauma. And I'm telling you, the most deliverance I have ever done is with people who have trauma in their past. And the the enemy hates us so much that he'll use anything to gain a foothold in our lives. But Jesus has got the victory. Amen. He's got the victory. In other words... If you want the first step in how to get the devil kicked off your land is quit giving him a place on your land. Shut the door to the enemy. Quit giving him a place in your life. You say, well, that, 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 that's kind of legalistic, Pastor. I didn't want to come to a legalistic service tonight. No, 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 no. We've watered down the gospel so badly that we've quit calling people to a holy place of living And I think if a revival is going to break out in the church, which we desperately are desperate for, we're going to have to get back to some old-fashioned just, hey, you got to draw a line and quit quit crossing it. Hey, you got to watch what you watch. It's amazing that you can go home and watch uh, some movie with naked people in it, and then you run to the altar and wonder why you can't overcome the demon of lust. 
It's because of what you're looking at. And if you were to get in my car, I listen to all kinds of things. But I am discerning enough. When something comes on that just doesn't feel right, I shut it off and put on worship music. Come on, somebody. So your, your eye gates and your ear gates are places that should be off limits to the enemy. Because when you open those and it's something ungodly, you are giving the enemy a foothold, a place of the territory. And I'll tell you another principle of the enemy. He never stops with one acre. He never does. He's wanting to take over your life. The chains of bondage can't be felt until they're too, too strong to be broken. If you get to a place where you need deliverance ministry, you have probably been in a habitual pattern of opening the door to the enemy. But church, the Psalm 119 verse 30 that we just read, we are not people of darkness. We are children of the light. We are children of the, we are not meant to walk in the darkness. We are meant to walk in the light as he is in the light. We are meant to walk in the Holy Spirit. And anybody who applies himself to the word and regularly being discipled with your friends and your church family and worshiping God on a regular basis, you are going to recognize the schemes of the enemy that Paul talked about. He talked about spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6. And he mentions in another letter that he wrote, and I believe it was a Corinthian church, but don't quote me on that. He mentions, I wrestled the beasts of Ephesus. And when he talks about that, you kind of take the, take the note of spiritual warfare. And Ephesus was one of the places of God's outpouring of miracles and God's outpouring of, of, of salvations and everything else. But he had to wrestle in the spirit before he ever saw the fruit in the natural. In church, we are no different. Sometimes we just have to shut the door to the enemy. We have to begin to declare the word of God over and around your life. That's important for deliverance. That's important when the enemy is coming against you. Some of you need to quit molly grubbing about the situation. I came out of a season, and this was a, this was years ago. I, I mentioned I realized it's this month. I think in a few days, twenty six years since I gave my heart to the Lord. And I remember just a, maybe a year, year and a half, maybe two years, roughly in that period there, right before I went off to school. The Lord called me to into the ministry. And I remember I, just, I came out of a I came out of a real difficult season of just heaviness and depression. It was something I'd never even experienced before. I didn't, you know, even living in the world for a period of years, I didn't really experience that. And it was just this heaviness upon me. And the Holy Spirit began to, I had people pray with me and, and, but I began to understand because when I began to come out of that, I could almost hear this mob of demons just wanting to torment me and wanting to lay this back on me. And the Holy Spirit said, open your mouth and declare the word of God over this situation. And I opened my mouth and and listen to me, it broke. It broke off me. So we are not to be silent against the enemy. What did Jesus do when he was in the wilderness? He did what? When the enemy came with the temptation, he quoted the word of God. Because it's the entrance of his word that brings light. And the enemy lives and dwells in darkness. And the church has allowed him to operate in a lot of ways. So... Let me tell you what deliverance ministry is, and before I tell you what it is, it is not hunting for demons. I Listen, we don't have to go hunt for darkness anymore. It's right there in our face. <laughs> Number two, it's not demon busting or demon fighting. Deliverance is turning the light on for those living in darkness. Deliverance is revealing truth so that those being bound by lies are no longer bound by them. Deliverance is exercising the authority we have in Christ. In Mark chapter 8, there's the story of the, 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 the man of Gadarene, the demoniac of, of Gadara. And of course, Jesus crosses over and he comes in on the shore and then there's some, some mountainous cave evidently there. And this man was so tormented by evil spirits, the, the, the people of that area had kicked him out of the city and he's living out there in the caves and he's literally cutting himself. He's at, and what does Jesus do? Jesus casts him out. And what does it say about the city folk that saw him in his right mind with his hair combed and eating some food? They were afraid. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing they didn't care when he was full of demons, but then Jesus sets him free and all of a sudden they care? Isn't that amazing? Just part of the story. But we see these instances of deliverance in Jesus' ministry. And in Luke is another story. It's a story of a father who was very concerned. And that's where we, we see the word about somebody being tormented or vexed. If listen, if if Satan can't possess you, I assure you he wants to torment you. Or the Bible talks about vexed. 
We need to exercise the authority Jesus gave us. And when you're under attack, when you feel like the enemy's trying to torment, you begin to evaluate and say, God, okay, I need you to, by the Holy Spirit, reveal anything in my life. There's no doors open, then you understand it's just a season of spiritual warfare, which I think everybody in this room would say over the last year, maybe two years, has been intense. Incredibly intense for me. And, but it excites me about what God has on the horizon. The enemy does not want a, a people of God living right for God, filled with his spirit, going out into a dark world with the light of the truth of Jesus to tell him first and foremost, there's a God who loves you and has something better than you being all wrapped up in chains and out of your mind and possessed by a legion of demons. Amen. There's something better. So we are the light bringers. We're the truth bringers. And we're the ones who are able to bring that truth to them. Every time Jesus encountered demons, he didn't do two things. Listen, listen to me. He didn't do two things, and they're important when it comes to deliverance ministry. He didn't sensationalize it, right? Right. And he didn't sit down and begin to tell them his life story. You know what he did? He rebuked the devil. this, This was so... If you read through the Gospels, this was so foreign that when Jesus came into a synagogue, it says he cast out an unclean spirit. Get out. He just rebuked it. There wasn't an organ playing. There wasn't piano music. There wasn't anybody doing it. That tells you that the, the deliverance ministry is something that you've got to understand and have a revelation of the authority that you carry in Christ. You don't go looking for that, but there will be times and seasons, that, whether it be in your own family or whether it be in your own life where you just feel like the enemy's coming against you and trying to torment you with something that you can come against him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. you got to begin to talk back. Amen? You do. Your, your word is powerful. God's word's powerful. But it's extra powerful out of a clean vessel that's declaring the word of God. Amen? Lazarus is raised from the dead. He tells them to loose him. Tells him, tell, tells them to take those grave clothes off. And the grave clothes that you may be dealing with for some in this church is you've, again, you've sought counselors, you've sought maybe prescriptions, you've maybe sought doctor's help. And I hear, hear my heart. Those are all natural things that we should do. There's doctors that have helped me tremendously throughout my life. But sometimes you come to the place where you begin to realize that it may be something demonic that is in operation and that's where you've got the people of God to come around you and pray and rebuke that thing and see deliverance. Amen? What do you do when you feel like that it's not just something normal, but it is something demonic coming against you? Number one, you do this. You discern the activity of the enemy. You find out where he's camped out at. It's your land. He's taken up residence. He doesn't belong there because you belong to God. So you ask God for discernment. You ask God. There's people that have dealt with decades and decades of, of sickness or torment. And God just wants to tell you tonight, there's freedom in Jesus' name for you. Because the Holy Spirit through discernment will reveal where something is originating from. Number two, close the doors that give the enemy access. Taking back the ground the enemy is camped on. How do you do that? You, you do that through repentance. You realize, God, I've disobeyed you in a certain area, so I'm going to repent and I'm going to shut that door. I'm going to ask you, God, to first forgive me, and then I'm going to, I'm going to say, devil, get off my land. Get out of here. Sin can open the door to the enemy because the Bible tells us don't give up any place to the devil. What does sin do? It gives him a place. So what do we do? Don't sin. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking. I know what you're, I know what you're thinking is, hey, I've never, I've never gone one single day in my life, 24 hours, and not had an impure thought or not gotten angry when I shouldn't or something in there that I know didn't please God. When I say sin, I'm talking about you are habitually and the Holy Spirit's dealt with you and dealt with you and dealt with you and you continue. Because I want to say this. You cannot continually, willfully disobey God and there not be any consequences in your life. It's not possible. It's not possible. You need to understand and know that from the Word of God. So there's, there's several doors. It, whether we open it through disobedience and willfully opening the door, 
traumatic experiences, I mentioned that already, but traumatic experiences, I think in my years of ministering in the area of deliverance here and there, not super often, but Jesus did say he came to set the captives free. So in other words, there could be a captive that's taken not because of something they willfully disobeyed and did. There could be a captive taking because of some kind of trauma in their past. There's trauma present, and the enemy has capitalized on that and, and taken them captive to do their will. Listen, the enemy loves to take advantage of us. We're not always a prisoner because of something we did. Many times the enemy can use trauma. In other words, it's not always something that you did that invited the enemy to camp out on the land that doesn't belong to him. But it's something that you still need to identify, discern, repent of anything that may be in your life. And when you, when you do that, God's power comes to bear and he's going to deal with the enemy. Deliverance is simply being loose from the lies of the enemy. Some of you have opened the door just because you believe more of what the devil lies to you. You say, how do I know the devil's speaking? Or how do I know he's lying? Because he's speaking. He's the father of lies. That's all he does is just lie, 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 lie. Listen, our soul is so precious to the Lord. Our lives before him are lives that he wants us to live in complete freedom. Freedom to be who he created you to be. Freedom to walk in the, walk in the Holy Spirit and listen, to be able to be used by God and filled with his spirit and be able to be used by him in any area that you may experience. And I'll tell you one open door that I've discovered, and I discovered this in my own life. I won't talk about anybody else, even though I, I recognized it through discerning and talking to people and counseling with them of just discerning. A lot of people open the door to the enemy through unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a huge point where the enemy will gain a foothold because, listen, when you, when you choose not to forgive somebody, no matter what it was or who it was or what's going on, then you are taking the role of God and saying, well, I know better to punish them than what you do. You let God handle that. That's what, that's what forgiveness does. As a matter of fact, forgiveness is the reason Jesus taught so, so much on forgiving in my opinion, is because forgiveness now takes us out of the role of God because God said very clearly, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And when you don't forgive, what are you being? You're being vengeful. In other words, you don't want justice anymore. For there to be an equal part of punishment for something somebody did, we, when we are mad at somebody, we want good old-fashioned vengeance. You know, they, they cut you off on the highway. Well, God, wreck them in the side of the road up here. No. No, we're supposed to be Christ-like. But listen, unforgiveness I've found in people's lives, because they don't even a lot of times realize that they've never really genuinely forgiven and let it go and given it to God to the point where, God, you handle this. Because we always want to be right, don't we? That's usually the, the genesis of it. But the enemy will use that to gain a foothold. Listen to me. Occult involvement will open a door to Listen, if I come into your house and I see crystals and stuff up, I'm going to tell you, get that stuff out of your house. If you're reading the horoscope, Miss Dorian, who was it? Miss Chloe? Huh? Cleo, Miss Cleo. Remember the old number you used to be able to call and get your, you know, your, your fortune told? Now, did you know that because you called him back? Now, I'm not messing with you. I'm messing. I'm messing. You, I know you didn't. I know you didn't. But listen, there's a cult involvement that we can unwittingly even get into. And, I mean, young people, and I know we got a handful in here. Anybody, you're ever at somebody's house and they break out a Ouija board or something? Run. Run. That, is, that stuff is the occult. And, and you guys know this very well. And it does us no good not to talk about these things and try to just hide in our church services and not pretend that the enemy didn't put on a worship service on national TV just a couple nights ago. A full-out, demonic, satanic. So it's in our face. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is wanting us to be wise to the enemy's schemes. He's wanting us to understand these principles of helping people along in deliverance ministry. Of, of praying over people. And listen, if you think, I just never think God can use me in that way. You have authority. 
If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have authority. You do. It's not for a pastor or a pope or a priest or anybody else. You have authority over all the work and schemes and junk of the enemy. You do because you're a believer in Christ. Now, you've used this analogy before, but maybe it'll help some of you tonight. If I walk out on 19 out here and and want to stop traffic and I'm in this beautiful pink shirt. (laughs) And I just jump out in the middle of the road and say, stop. I'm going to get run over. It's like, what's this crazy person doing? But you put me in a a green Citrus County Sheriff's Office uniform with a badge on my chest. Why that badge? Because I've sworn an oath to uphold the law that's from a higher authority. Are you following me? So I have been, the the, the sheriff's deputies have been deputized to step out into traffic and everything comes to a halt. No difference in the spiritual realm for you and I. You have been, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And who did he give his authority to? His body, his church. Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound on earth and whatever's bound in heaven will be bound on earth. That's spiritual language of you have the authority. When the enemy's operating in your homes, listen, look around for anything going on and then begin to kick him out. Jesus didn't put up with the demonic because we think that they're more powerful than we are. They are more powerful than you, but they're not more powerful than Jesus. And if you're filled with him and full of the Holy Ghost, there are gifts of the spirit that we can operate in. And we can allow God to teach us these things. Listen, ungodly soul ties open the door to the enemy. You say, what's an ungodly soul tie? We as the church have operated under a Jewish, Judeo-Christian ethic that has been around for thousands of years of one very simple thing that God created in Genesis, which was he created man and he created woman. Amen. Amen? And then he brought them together. And he said, you will be one flesh. So we understand spiritually, and you may have never heard this before. One of the things that I went to that deliverance conference, and I sat right there. There There's 1,200 people at this thing. There's all probably 500, 600 students. About 500 or 600 people that had gone through the same course that they had this conference that people from other churches came. And they explained to us a a very powerful spiritual truth that if you live a promiscuous lifestyle... You say, I don't understand that word. I'm trying to use adult language because we have younger people in the room. If you sleep in a round, it's against God's word. And you're joining yourself to somebody that you are creating a soul tie with. And some, of, some people that you run into seem like they're just so out of it and they're tormented and they can't think and they can't, you know, they're just... They usually have soul ties operating in their lives because they have joined themselves as one flesh to somebody God never intended. That's why God told us to find old-fashioned preaching tonight. Hey, stay pure and don't give yourself away. And get married and become one. And listen, stay with that person the rest of your life. Don't be shacking up. Don't be having relations outside of your marriage. What are you doing? You're opening a door to something that you don't want to tangle with. You do not. That night at that deliverance conference, you know, I won't even even say that. The Holy Spirit's like, shut up, shut up. Well, we had to make a list. They were like, hey, let's break these things so you have sheets of paper in front of you. Well, this was lengthy is all I'll say. It was, it was, there was a lot of stuff that God had to break out of my life. Mm-hmm. And you may, ne- you may never have thought of this. You may never have given this a second thought of the spiritual principle that the two shall become one flesh. You hook up at a bar and go home with them. What are you doing? You're joining yourself to them. And guess what? The things that are tormenting them have now have a right to come torment you. It's a spiritual reality. And we, we don't talk about these things in this church, in, in, in the church in general. God desires his people to walk in freedom. The entrance of his word brings light. When God's light comes, it means his truth has entered into the situation. It means that God's light will bring the truth and the truth will set us free. Actually make us free. 
There's a path that God sets us on, and it's called the path of life. Now, we all stumble in many ways. The righteous will stumble seven, but the Lord lifts him up. Amen? We all involve ourselves in things. There's things that I watch on TV, and I get, you know, I watch it, and I just know in my heart of hearts, man, I should have never sat through two hours of that. We've all done it. We, we've, all part, we've all gotten ourselves involved in things that we just kind of step back. That's why I even I talked about Sunday that, that conviction is the gravity that keeps you pulled in and orbiting around Jesus as the center of your life. And when you continually disobey and you continually, what are you doing? You're searing your conscience. And your conscience is what keeps you pulled in. And when your conscience is, is sharp and it's soft and it's tender to God, as soon as the first thing on some tv shows and some the reason we're seeing our culture the way that it is is because the church has quit being the church in relation to well there's only you know there's only this homosexual couple on it and we entertain that in our households as for me in my house no because the culture may try to make this make the things that the world's going try to make it something that that is completely just accepted. But can I tell you, let's start to take a stand on what God's word says. Because we can't take a stand against the enemy that's tormenting people and the enemy that has made inroads into their lives. And you guys know me well enough. When I talk about subjects like homosexuality, it's, a, it's an incredibly complex subject. I have family members. And I love them. And I spend time with them. But I make sure I show the light. The, the light of what? God's love. The light of God's truth. And man, we pick on the homosexuals. Listen, if you're shacked up with somebody in here, you might as well. Amen? Or are you hearing, Pastor, tonight? If you spend three out of seven days down at the bar just getting drunk as a skunk, repent. Say, well, is alcohol, is that something that... The Bible doesn't clearly, explicitly say don't drink. It says do not be drunk. And if you're the type like me that you can't even, I don't go near that stuff. Don't go near it. Because I struggle with it. I understand I'm of the proclivity to, to because I can't drink one. God bless you if you can. One, guys, we got the guys from the sanctuary here. One turns into 12, turns into, I told you I got Irish in me, y'all. <laughs> I understand that about myself. So I stay away. It's the same thing for, that. that's for me. And that's what I've been delivered of. That's what I walk in freedom. And I don't even, 26 years later, I don't say, man, you know, it's time where I could probably just go knock a few back or something. How many people have been delivered of that junk and you're never going back to it? Don't give a place to the enemy. Because even, even you may begin to think, well, you know, I didn't watch these certain things in the past and it's okay if I do. I'm, I'm much stronger. You are letting, the Bible clearly says, I made a covenant with my eyes that I may not sin against you. Pornography. That's why I say deliverance ministry is going to be picking up in the next few years because we have a generation that's been raised on nothing but pornography. We have a generation that can't have a loving married relationship because they have watched pornography for so many years. They think that that's reality. So they can't even get excited in a marital relationship. Is everybody following me? They can't get excited in a marital relationship because of everything that they've allowed in. That is the devil getting a foothold in a generation. Through what we allow ourselves to look at. Jesus said, if your, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it. Now some of you are like, really? I mean, does I go pluck? No, he's... It's an allegory of saying, deal seriously with the things that will get you bound up. This is not legalism tonight. It's the final teaching of everything that we've talked about information-wise and looking through the scriptures of understanding the, again, there's three prominent theories out there. I gave you the one that I believe through study of the Nephilim and they're disembodied. They want to, they want to inhabit flesh. And there's a hierarchy of God's created order of angels that fell principalities and powers and they are loosing these things in the last days i'm going to wrap up here in just a minute in the last days you're going to we're going to see don't be shocked at the uptick of the demonic 
things going on. The days are going to grow darker and evil, but we have the promise of God's word that I pray almost daily. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. We have a lot of work to do in helping people be delivered from the muck and the mire, miry clay and that we can pull them out through praying for them, through walking through deliverance ministry with them, so that their feet can be set upon the rock that is Jesus Christ. We do not need to sensationalize deliverance ministry, and we don't need to ignore deliverance ministry. Are you hearing me? We need to be honest about our struggles because the Bible says in James, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. And if anything I've said where you're you're like, ah, you know, I'm... I am shacking up with somebody. Repent of that. Get away from it. Break it. Because I promise you, it's opening a clear door to the enemy. You got addiction issues in your life, whatever it may be. Things that we watch and things that we listen to. It is important because the, the onslaught of the enemy is going to become even greater unless the church finally stands up and just draws a line of just some good old-fashioned just revival of holiness in the church. There is no distinction between the church and the world anymore. None. And I'm not saying be an old fuddy-duddy. I will chase legalists out of this church. You will be dealt with. I'm not going to get into legalism, but I am going to allow my conscience to not be seared with the world's junk to where we don't even think twice about some of the things that we do and we involve ourselves in. Some of the things that come out of our mouth, oh, come on, somebody. Come on. Listen, if you spend part of your day letting cuss words just fly, there's something wrong. Amen? Let no unwholesome speech come out of your... Jesus said that it's not what goes into a man that defiles a man, it's what comes out. And what comes out is showing what's in your heart. And what's in your heart has, has been influenced by what you are engaging in. Amen? Make sense? Stand with me tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. Thank you, Lord. Father, your word brings light. So, God, I feel led in this moment to do what I've already done before I ever endeavored to preach this and teach this tonight. As I sat and I said, God, examine my heart. Because I know there are areas where the enemy has gained a foothold. I know there's areas where I've opened up, just even if it's a slightest bit, Lord, I've opened up that door. God, we want to shut the door on the enemy tonight. Shut the door on his lies. Shut the door on his bondages. Break those bondages. Break those generational things, Father, that come against us. And God... It's not by the force of volume of our voices, and it's not by anything but the Spirit of God coming into a room. Lord, the anointing destroys the yoke. So God, I pray that anointing even begin to flow upon people's heart and lives right now. God, I want to pray for this church and myself as a pastor, that God, you would sharpen our conscience. That, God, the things that don't bother us anymore, would you just give us a reawakening of a fresh slate and a tender heart towards you and toward the things around us, things that we watch and we engage in, things that we, we, Father, just call and say, good's evil and evil's good. God, set our priorities back into the proper place. Father, if there be an enemy that is camped out on the land that belongs to you because we're covered in the blood. Father, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that you would open the eyes of our heart, give us discernment where the enemy is operating through past trauma, soul ties, the things where he comes and takes a little tiny foothold, where he wants to continue to expand. And the next thing you know, Lord, we're completely and totally vexed by him. So God, tonight I proclaim freedom In the name of Jesus, for the people of God, it is for freedom that you have set us free. Lord, you came to proclaim liberty to the captives. So, God, I echo your word over myself and over this church and over the church of Citrus County that follow you. This will be a season of fruitfulness, and this will be a season, God, of freedom and deliverance, God, from the work of the enemy. God, shine your light. 
into our, our lives and in our hearts. Not our neighbors, Lord God, tonight. Not somebody sitting on the other pew, Lord Jesus, but shine it on us. Shine it on us. Shine it on my heart, God. And, and bring conviction. Because your conviction always leads to freedom. Always leads to forgiveness. Because, Lord, you said if we repent, you would be faithful and just to forgive us and wash us from all unrighteousness. So, God, as we take this moment to just turn away from any work of the enemy in the darkness, may your word bring light. May it bring light. And may it bring the mercy and forgiveness of God that every every assignment of the enemy and everything he's tried to bring, let it be broken in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 Let me tell you one more thing before you go. And it's, it's a prophetic word from the Lord that he gave me Monday night. I feel like I should release it right now. And I'm speaking to the guys at the sanctuary right back there. And I'll, I'll do it very briefly. Very briefly. Monday night, I was sitting there praying and uh the holy spirit just simply said what day is today i said well lord it's monday you're the lord god you certainly know what day it is and i have a watch that on the very front here and i don't know why i did this except because i'm i don't know why i did this but it's the jewish calendar on it i have the jewish calendar and right there at the bottom is the actual jewish day and the jewish date so I kind of felt prompted to look at my watch because I thought, are you asking me the date, Lord? And this is how the Lord and I converse, okay? Just give me some, some grace, okay? <laughs> it was Shabbat 15th. So I said, well, there has to be something about this, Lord, you wouldn't have spoken. The reason I'm telling this is because God confirmed it in a very amazing, powerful way just two hours later. And that day is the day that the Jews, and it's not a huge festival, it's not like Passover and Pentecost and the Feast of Booze and those type of things. What they do is it's called the the Festival of the Awakening of the Trees. And they celebrate this time of year because the trees start to come awake, which means the season of fruitfulness is soon coming. And listen, when I shared that at the prayer meeting, we prayed that night, and I went on about my business. Within an hour and a half, my brother, who's 1,200 miles away, a group text with my two brothers, Sean and Jared. And Jared sent me a, an article that said, he said, hey, Jason, he said, you ought to preach this sometime. And it was an article on this today is the season of fruitfulness. I said, Lord, you're speaking to me. You're speaking to me. Which, if he's speaking to me, means he's speaking to you. And this is separate from the teaching I just did. And guys at the sanctuary, you've been in a difficult season. You've been in a tough place. God says the the awakening is here and it's coming. And there's going to be a season of fruitfulness move in on your life. When you obey him and when you keep your face forward like Flint towards what God has for you, there's fruitfulness coming on your life, your family's life. Guys, we're getting ready We're getting ready to enter in a season of harvest, of fruit coming back, of seeds that you've planted, Miss Gwen. You've planted seeds, and God says He's bringing them back, pressed down, pressed down, shaken, running over. God will pour out from the windows of heaven. Men will pour into your bosom favor, blessings, finances are coming your way. I'm not speaking this, but any other reason besides God says time of fruitfulness is here. Amen. Go in the name of the Lord, church, and be blessed. And if God ever asks you what day it is, look it up. <laughs>